The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So maybe this meditation set a stage for me to transition into um, the Dharma talk, the Dharmet. And today I brought uh, a story of a modern day giant in the Theravada Buddhist scene. And I use the word giant to describe how she was a human being with immense heart, mind qualities, immense goodness in her heart and mind. Even though physically she's quite small. And so this is uh, the story of Deepama. I'm going to show the picture. Some of you might uh, know her or know of her. Maybe have read the book or heard the stories about her in various Dharma talks. And so, why Deepama? I want to start with a story. And this is a story told by uh, Maria Monroe, uh, who's one of the senior Theravada practitioners in the Western Theravada scene. And this was a time when Deepama and uh, Maria were on an airplane uh, coming to the United States from India. Uh, the flight was very turbulent. At one point, the flight hit an air pocket and dropped. And so the drinks and stuff all flew up in the ceiling. And, um, you know, it took a moment for the airplane to uh, finally settle to um, kind of a stable air. And so Maria kind of screamed a, a bit. And Deepama was sitting right across the aisle from her. And so she reached out and took her hand and just held it. And then at some point, uh, Deepama whispered to her, the daughters of the Buddha are fearless. This is Deepama, the fearless daughter of the Buddha. So what was her path? How did she come to this possibility of fearlessness? And so she was born 1911 uh, in India and passed away in 1989. So her life actually overlapped with mine. And so I kind of there's some sort of a warmth in my heart um, connecting to this. And so she got married when she was 12, 12 year old. And maybe this was the, kind of the way 
back then. And she moved with her husband from India to Burma because um, he had to work in Burma. And I, in the early years, maybe not just early, for a, a couple of decades, she wasn't able to conceive to have a babies. It was not until mid-30s she um, began uh, to be able to conceive. That was a daunting uh, period as well. Uh, she lost uh, two babies early on, uh, shortly after birth, and uh, was only able to uh, keep one daughter. And this daughter's name is Deepa. And so she's known as the mother of the, uh, of the daughter Deepa. And so her name is known as Deepama. And so you can see this was immensely painful for Deepama. And so she got very sick. She had heart disease, high blood pressure, other things. So she was bedridden for many months. She couldn't get out. And her husband was a very kind soul and very gentle and kind and loving. And so uh, he um, not only had to take care of Deepama and Deepa, but also had to work full time uh, in order to keep the family going. So one day he came home not feeling well and died. So this was uh, a breaking point. And Deepama was in her early 50s without health, work, support, and had to support her young daughter. And without health. And so she didn't know what to do anymore. And ever since she was a, a little girl, so she always wanted to meditate. So she decided that she had to go visit a meditation center in Burma. Uh, she didn't know what else to do. So she sorted out all her belongings and uh, give it to her neighbor and asked them to take care of Deepa. And in her own mind, she thought, she would never return, probably. And so she went on to her first meditation retreat. When she arrived at the center, she was offered with some basic meditation instructions and a room. And so she began to practice. And very quickly, she got very concentrated. And she was so concentrated that one day she didn't realize a dog was biting her leg. She couldn't move. She just thought, thought she couldn't move her leg. But she wasn't aware that the dog was biting her leg. Not until she turned around and looked at the dog. And, well, the, yes, and, you know, the dog bite made her very weak. And so she was sent home. 
and she didn't complete her first retreat. And yet, just with some of the basic meditation instructions, uh, she began to practice at home, whenever and however she was able to do it. And she also had um, an opportunity to um, meet a teacher who actually spoke her own uh, language uh, in her home state. And I, I didn't mention that, um, you know, she was living in Burma and, and she didn't speak the local language. That was yet another challenge. And so this uh, new teacher, uh, whose name is Anagarika Munindraji, uh, taught uh, her uh, meditation. Um, and so with these instructions, she progressed uh, rather quickly and dramatically within some time, some period of time. And the Dharma began to transform her uh, in ways that uh, she could never have imagined. Now, first, her blood pressure was gone. High blood pressure was gone. And she was no longer so sickly all the time. And she had much more energy. And this uh, offered such uh, immense trust and faith in the practice. And uh, quickly, she had a deep insights into the Dhamma. And so she just gave herself completely over to the practice. And so this was um, what was said uh, in the um, descriptions about her. As even as a widowed single mother, trying to undertake her spiritual path within the confines of a patriarchal and hierarchical Buddhist monastic system, Deepama never doubted that she could reach the highest goal. At that time and place, there was no such thing as the women's liberation movement. Deepama simply liberated herself. And so she once remarked, I had no fear and I am at peace now. And so that was such an immense transformation um, that became possible for her. And that's uh, in the midst of uh, the ups and downs, the turmoils of her life. And uh, indeed, Adipama continued to face all kinds of challenges uh, after uh, this period of life in Burma. In 1967, 56-year-old um, Burma Burmese government asked all foreigners to leave the country. And she had to leave uh, with her daughter to go back to India. And so they moved into a tiny, small um, apartment in Calcutta. And that's where uh, Deepama began her um, Dharma teaching career 
in this tiny apartment. Maybe one of the most significant qualities of uh, Deepama was uh, that Deepama embodied the Dhamma. And she taught her students, whatever you're doing, be aware of it, ironing, nursing, cooking. Nothing is outside of the practice domain. And so one of her students uh, said, um, she's the patron saint of householders. It was very uplifting for me. And in a way that she's a superhero uh, woman in my heart. Uh, if I'm allowed to have a superhero in my state of, I guess, a field of a consciousness. And so uh, her teachings in some ways changed how I practiced. I remember shortly after giving birth to my son, I realized that my life was more or less kind of turned upside down you know, with diapers, bottles, sleepless nights, and hormone changes in the body. All sorts of things. And it was a phase of my life where I had so much enthusiasm for retreat practice. And it was very clear that I couldn't do the kind of retreat practice that I used to do. So that was devastating to me. But I remembered Deepama. And she taught nursing mothers to practice while they were nursing. She taught the busy students to practice where they were in school. And somehow remembering the stories opened myself up uh, to a whole new way of a practicing that I never imagined. I began to realize, oh, there may be kind of new possibilities for me here. And I decided that I wasn't going to wait for the next retreat. Um, and the practice can start where I was. And so that was um, kind of a turning moment uh, for my Dharma journey. And um, my practice began to expand gradually and little by little. I wanted to say, emphasize on this word gradually, because it wasn't like it was life-changing in the moment. It was a, a gradual process, and it's still unfolding even to this date. But as I opened to all these different forms of a practice in my life, um, um, it enriched my practice, deepened it, and I had so much confidence and trust in it. And since so this were the teachings of the Deepama, a profound householder Dharma teacher. And she was said that um, Deepama's path wasn't attached to a particular place, teacher, lifestyle, or the monastic model. The world was her monastery. And she was a teacher for many. 
where she taught some of the senior Western Theravada teachers in our own lineage. Jack Cornfield, Joseph Agustin, Sharon Sosberg. And she had taught a three-month retreat uh, in uh, Inside Meditation Society. But I want to wrap up this week's um, great women disciples' stories of the Buddha um, by saying that these stories are not meant to intimidate us, <laughs> ask us to become them, or something like that. I'd like to read the afterword uh, in this Deepama book um, that I was showing. That's written by Jack Cornfield, uh, who summarized the point uh, that I, I was hoping to make much better than what I could come up with. And this is what he said. Simply beings, whether they are the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, Deepama, or a thousand unknown simply beings living among ourselves share the same fundamental characteristics of selflessness, great compassion, and a peace. Each one of us can carry Deepama's legacy in terms of having that much peace and the love. It takes its own time, yet it's possible for anyone. In the end, the point is not to be like Deepama or some other great yogi or saint you might read about or hear about. The point is something much more difficult. To be yourself and to discover that all you seek is to be found here and now in your own Heart. Thank you, everyone. It was uh, so good to be with you all this week. And you will be accompanied by Diana Clark, uh, my Dharma sister. And so uh, uh, you'll be in good company. And so be well, everyone. <laughs>